Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope to help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. Well, we're here again with another episode of the High Impact Man podcast. Uh, Coming to you live from The Nest. That's my home, our little home gym. It's called The Nest because... As I said in an earlier podcast, my wife's name is Robin, and she designed it. So here we are at the nest again we're with another high-impact man we're going to talk to today. Uh, we'll get to him in a moment. My name is Nevin Gorky. I'm your host, uh, known as DFib, uh, to the people who are familiar with F3, which we'll describe a little bit on this podcast. And I'm joined by my co-host, Troy Klinger, otherwise known as Dial-Up. Dial-Up, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, but I'm going to be clear here. And you can call it the nest all you want. I'm still going to call it the nan cave the nan cave right because right. you're the nan tan <laughs> it's a man cave it's a nan cave i forgot about that yeah. yes the nan so, cave you can you can call it the nest if you want to but i'll i'll stick with my name maybe i should get a sign it. put it up somewhere yeah the nan cave but no it's been uh it's been a good week this is the week of uh prom for our local high school so my son's getting ready for that and uh prom has become far more complex than it was whenever we went to school oh my lord it's it's nuts uh I won't get into the details, but it makes for a crazy week. Well, I could tell you that where I came from, uh, it wasn't not quite as elaborate as it is when I moved down here to where I live now in Danville. They actually have a promenade. So prom, I guess, is short for promenade where everyone kind of strolls up into the... It's like the red carpet. Everybody comes and lines up and watches all the kids walk in. Yeah, we didn't have anything like that. We were just basically trying to figure out where we're going to, who's going to get to buy beer for us and where the party is afterwards. <laughs> I'm not endorsing that, by the way, to anybody, but uh, that's that's sort of where I grew up. I'm sure when my wife listens, she'll, <laughs> she'll say, you didn't do anything to help get ready this week. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, and it's much easier for boys, isn't it? It is, absolutely. Buy some flowers, get the tickets, Yeah. make the dinner reservations. Yeah, yeah, Show the girls, you, you got to go through the whole gown shopping and for that they'll wear once in their life. Right, exactly. And uh, the, the hairdo, the makeup, the whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a process. The boys just show up and do their best to make the girls look good. Yeah, I almost got, uh, I almost had a revolt on my hands when I was coaching the high school girls soccer team because we scheduled the <laughs> game during the night of the homecoming dance. And the homecoming dance is just as big a deal for the, for the girls yeah. as prom. And so that, and it was an away game and it was about a little over an hour away. So we had to play the game, drive back and they didn't ha- they didn't have the time they needed to get gussied up for the homecoming dance. And so <laughs> they uh, only had two hours instead of three. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. So, you know, so I was, I was the bad guy, but we won five, nothing. So there All you right. go. Anyway, well, today's podcast, we're bringing in another high impact man to talk to. I'll tell you a little bit about this fella, a little bit of a bio from him. His name is Kevin Holden. He's known as Mountie in the gloom to his F3 brothers where he participates in uh, Princeton, F3 Princeton. Uh, we got to know Mountie during the Blue Ridge Relay. Yeah, Mountie the Mountain Goat. Yeah, the we'll Mountain probably, Goat. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We will. We definitely will. Uh, he was born in Montreal, so he's a Canadian. Lived in Ontario <laughs> till eighth grade when he moved to the Garden State. Of New Jersey, went to Rutgers University, studied, studied economics and computer science. Now he works as a data governance lead, whatever that is, for Bessemer Trust. He's got three kids, a 14-year-old girl, 12-year-old boy, and an 8-year-old girl. And his wife is a nurse practitioner, just completed her educational doctorate in nursing education. He says she is awesome. And is the reason he got into F3 Princeton, which is familiar to me because my wife is the one who got me into F3. 
So, welcome aboard, Mountie. Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, thank you, guys. Doing doing well. Hanging in there. Um, hearing all the stories about promise stuff made me think about the the only two things I would give I would not want to see right now is uh, all the Instagram, all the pictures, and everything else that have to go on with promise oh, stuff like that. I yes. do not envy the kids that have to deal with being like a celebrity for the weekend. And, uh, but I do envy them for all the, the cool patent shoes and stuff like that. The sneakers that are now cool with the tuxedos. That's something I definitely would have gone for had I thought of it and, and done it back in the day. But, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Prom yeah. is, uh, seems, a, seems like a long time ago, but it's coming up for the kids. Yep. My son's I'm got doing sh- well. How are you guys doing? Good. I was, I was just going to say my son has shoes that look like disco balls, quite honestly. I mean, they're just that razzmatazzled, but yeah. That, cool. doesn't, that doesn't sound like Pong to it me. It does not sound like whatever he's like, yeah, these are the shoes. I'm like, whoa, okay. He's coming out of his shell here towards the end of his senior year. But anyway, back to back to back to Mountie. Yeah, my man Pong. I just I just want to follow up on that. We gotta get him give him some some props though, because he recently ran a steeplechase. He did for the high school team, which we don't usually have around here, right? Right. It's it's only offered here in Pennsylvania if you go to like invitationals at uh, at different colleges or universities. Yeah, and so uh, there's like no way to practice in it. And he finished second, and he set the the high school record for the steeplechase. He did, yeah, not bad. His he's a pretty pretty quick miler, 800 meter guy. So his speed carried him through it, even though his hurdling technique was not the uh, prettiest. It was uh, functional. We'll go yeah, with that. Functional. <laughs> cool. If he cut his hair, he'll be even faster. How about it? <laughs> All right, Mountie. So um, tell us about growing up in Canada. What was that like? What was your family life like? What was life like in Canada? Oh, wow. Um, I think I would imagine it's kind of similar to a rural experience down here. It was definitely, we. I, so I grew up in Montreal. And uh, before I went to school, my mother, my parents decided that we need to move to Ontario because I did not speak French. And that was, that was, that was going to be key to going to school. My, I have an older brother. He did fine. But, uh, for me it was important. And so that was one of the deal breakers. I think we moved, so we moved to Ontario, but we lived in a very small town, had one traffic light, like 300 kids in the, in the school and stuff. And as a kid, you don't realize all that stuff, but like a mall was like an hour away. And so it was, when I look back, there was a lot of great things because I could bike around town and hang with friends and got to play every single sport because there was, it was the same kids, same, same boys on every team. So I was the goalie for soccer, but volleyball, basketball, everything else. So, um, that was a lot of fun, but, uh, also just a very small town. And then, um, just going into freshman year, I moved down to New Jersey and, uh, was five minutes from a mall, had a basketball team that played every day. It was awesome. So like total sh- shock, but also uh, really cool to move down here. And then, so I've been down here since, but that was, uh, Canada was fun. It was just very, very rural. I miss, I think, uh, as you get older, I think you when you look back in the towns and stuff where you're at, it, you kind of remember it more fondly, but I think I was in those small towns where you're getting bored, start to get into trouble. So it was probably good that I made the, uh, the move down to Jersey. Yeah, you know, you mentioned all these sports, but you didn't mention hockey. Yeah, I was going to just ask. It is true. Um, yeah, I actually, as soon as I moved down here, uh, the first two days that we were in New Jersey, the um, coach, high school coach, called and said, asked if we wanted to play hockey. And we're like, no, we don't. I don't play hockey. And he's like, but I heard you're Canadian. And he's like, yep. And he's like, 
do you want to, do, you, do you still want to play hockey? And I was like, no, my mom never got, um, my brother tells the story with more, uh, um, just to stay. He's, 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 he's still a little, he's more angry about it, but, uh, um, my mom didn't want to get into the, uh, early ice time and everything. It's the same story as down here. There's limited ice. So like the practices are real early, putting on a lot of equipment, going out there and parents, yelling, you know, get them, kill them, whatever they're, <laughs> but it, 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 it definitely in the blood, but I, I never got into the skating and stuff. And that's how I got, that's how I got into basketball because, uh, it was whatever, 20, 20 shoes plus the basketball to, to play and stuff. So mm-hmm. it was a lot, a lot cheaper, but, uh, yeah, I, I dodged the, uh, uh, dodged the, the, the hockey bug, I guess. I would have been a big defenseman too. would have been, I don't know, would have yeah. lost a lot of teeth. That's, uh, that's the, that's the other side. So, no regrets. Never know. You might have missed your calling, though. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? You might have been in the NHL now. Yeah, or curling. You could have been maybe a champion curler. Could have been a too. curler. I'm um, probably still in too good of shape to curl. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I hope the curlers of the world aren't listening. <laughs> we apologize. Yeah, so to full any I'm terrible at curling. I'm sure I would get destroyed. Uh, that does look like a lot of fun though. And I, that's, I do end up watching that every Olympics. That's what I get into. And people are like, what are you doing? Why are you watching this? And then just, just wait, just wait. And like 10 minutes on and they're like, you know, cheering them on. That and bobsled. I don't know how they do bobsled. That's crazy. I'd love to try bobsled someday, but you never know. I think I mentioned this before, but yeah, I often wonder if there's something I never tried out there that I could have been great at. Probably you know, is like water polo or something. Yeah. I, you know, who knows? I never tried it. Curling. That always, I think of curling. Well, yeah. Who knows? You know, average size white guys might be good at curling. You so never know. I might have had a shot. Yep. I'm speaking of size, how tall are you, Mountie? I am uh, six two, six three. Yeah, you look taller to me. I don't know. Six two, six three. So, what position did you play in basketball? So, in our town, this is back before everybody shot threes. Um, I was a forward, uh, powerful, power forward, four five in there. So depending on this, it was a, we were a smaller school. So, um, depending on the schools, of course, we played against other teams and I'm guarding a guy that's like six inches taller than me or something. So there's definitely, definitely size, but, uh, yeah, I was a, I was a four. Yeah. You still playing? Um, I was until this, this last year, um, after BRR, I've had a kind of couple, I've had a, had a run into a couple of different injuries this past year. So, uh, getting ready for BRR and then afterwards getting after that, just some stuff that, uh, but I definitely want to get back to it. So, um, I plan, I plan to get back, no leagues or anything, but just like a good group of guys. Tell me if this sounds familiar, good group of guys that meet up on the weekends and, uh, enjoy working out and having a good high quality workout. So, uh, that's what I do with basketball. I meet up with them usually on like Sundays. So hoping to get back to that. Yeah. That's kind of my story. Although I'm older than you, but, uh, Let's see. I think it was oh a year and a half ago now. Last time I played hoops, but I played my whole life. That was it for me. I that was my comfort zone. Like if I got yeah. bad grades on a report card or whatever, you know, my 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 place of solace was to go to the basketball court. I'd be by myself. I could be upset. I could be angry over, but I just you know shooting around by myself, and that was my comfort zone. And so you know, I I tell you, it's kind of I'm I'm off on a tangent now. It's so, all right. Um, it ticks me off to see some of these professional basketball players and the way they they act and behave and their attitudes. I guess, you know, 
I don't know what I would be like if I were there. But I've said forever, and I still say, if somebody gave me an apartment to live in, a car to drive, and enough money for some food, I would play basketball for a living. You wouldn't even have to give me anything else. I'd just play basketball my whole life and be happy, right? Um, that was it for me, though. I mean, but I was a guy who was out there shoveling the snow off the court so I could practice yeah. and, and stuff like that. But, um, but now, I don't even play anymore. And I think, you know, we talk about F3, and obviously we talk about that a lot on the podcast. And we hope to get at listeners that aren't just uh, that may not know what F3 is so that we could tell them about it, right? And we want to, when we want to introduce high-impact men who are part of this uh, to sort of let guys know what's out there and what's available. And if, and if it's not F3, then something like it would be so beneficial to you. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But anyway, when I got involved with F3, which Mountie mentioned, that workout with F3, Mountie, I don't know about you, but I, I don't get injured anywhere near as much as I did when I was playing hoops. I might have everything from broken ankles and broken feet and broken fingers to busted lips with holes in, you know, my teeth going through my lip and from getting elbowed and eye, eye injuries from elbows and countless um, jam fingers. And that doesn't happen in F3. Guess you guys just don't try hard enough down and, uh, can we go back to the, yeah, I feel you with that. There's definitely like, um, uh, I, I split my lip or, I didn't split my lip. Someone's elbow split my lip. Right. Um, but things like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there's different injuries, different things you got to watch out for. And so I'm kind of, like I said, working through those kind of things, but um, certainly that's kind of where I started getting away from like the open, open gym or uh, like it's, it's better to know the guys that uh, you want to play hard against, but you also, at the end of the day, you're all, all going home. Not, not somebody trying to, to, running off the court and everything else. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely hear you with that. It's a uh, um, controlled exercises or, you know, it's working out and stuff. So that's, that's part of the goal is to try to make it fun and still have the, the, the feeling afterwards. Like you said, like you zone out and just, just get the workout. Did you, um, did you pick up golf or anything? I always wondered if people, yeah. I keep thinking I need to learn how to play golf so that a couple of years from now I'll, I'll be, uh, be able to golf, but yeah. That's a, golf's, that's a, golf's one of those things you could do forever. Yeah. Um, and, so and that's it, nice. And but. it causes zero frustration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So I'm this is, this is a lesson. I'm to do it because once you learn how to do it, then you know what you're doing wrong. So right. Exactly. Uh, so th- this is a lesson in life. It's all about managing expectations. Okay. If you don't have a lot of expectations, then you're more, more likely to be a little calmer on the golf course and don't throw clubs and don't yell <laughs> and scream. <laughs> if you just realize right away that you're probably not going to be great, don't worry about it. Just enjoy the day and do the best you can. <laughs> oh, oh, Iceman once said, learn to laugh at yourself because it'll provide a lifetime of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I recommend it though because you could do it, you know, even in your 80s, you go out there and, you know, hit it 100 yards down the fairway and go hit it again. I think those guys actually play better than me because they keep it in play. I hit it far enough that it, I could lose a ball in the trees or the water or whatever. There's, there's nothing worse than like stepping aside and letting a bunch of 80 year old ladies like play through. Yeah. And they never leave the fairway. They don't hit it far, but they're like straight 80, 90 yards every shot. They play Hank Stram golf. <laughs> it's just poke at 80, 90 yards. Yeah. Right you, know, you know who Hank Stram was? I don't know who Hank Stram was. Hank, Hank Stram was a coach of the Kansas City Chiefs when they won the Super Bowl. And there's an NFL Films highlight reel of that Super Bowl where he's he's famous for saying, just keep matriculating the ball down the field. Okay. And that's what these you know people that's do. They, they do. just matriculate the ball down the fairway. Meanwhile, we're hacking these, <laughs> taking these big swings and... It's going all over the place. Anyway, yeah, recommend golf. Uh, Definitely try it. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. Right. 
So tell us about your family. I, 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 in the intro, I talked about your kids. And before mm-hmm. we went on the air, you were talking about uh, dropping your son off at basketball practice and coaching baseball and stuff like that. Tell us about your kids. Sure. So, yeah, like I said, um, my oldest, my daughter is in um, going into high school, actually going to the same high school that I went to when I moved down here. So that's a little fun tidbit that we're, both my wife and I went to the same West Windsor Plains where high school that, uh, um, that, that for the town we live in and, and now our kids are going to. So uh, she's a freshman. She's uh, 14 and she actually played you know, travel soccer, basketball, uh, dial up. And I talked about this a bunch on our road trip back and forth and he was uh was sharing stories about coaching and everything else but um uh she's now playing high school so she's she played soccer basketball and and uh she's doing lacrosse now too so um she's active does a lot of stuff but um yeah super proud of super proud of her not just the sports but just like you know she's kind of um uh, it's just fun watching them grow up see what they mm-hmm. they become yep. like they're impressive a lot better like way it's kind of, kind of like the, the prom story. Like, seems a lot better. They, they seem to be doing a lot better than I'm, than I remember my, me doing it back then. But uh, so she's doing that great stuff. Um, my my son, who's three years younger, is uh, like said, ba- uh, baseball, basketball. Just uh, I guess starting from whenever they were young and or at a certain point, I just needed to get them into sports because that's what I that's what I knew. Like you were saying before about basketball, that's like. Uh, the world I know is just uh, you got to go and run and exercise and move just to part of your day. And uh, sports makes that a lot easier, you know, uh, mm-hmm. having something to, to go and go do, um, which again brings into the F3 factor about the, the, the second and third F about having people out there to, to, to meet up with and, and want to be out there and work hard. Um, so he's been doing a couple different sports and, and he's getting settled into them. And he's just passing that point where it's like uh uh, it's like you're watching a sport instead of watching your kids try to do a sport for a lot of them, like baseball and stuff, starting to get into like really watching them and, and enjoying the game with them. And then uh, my youngest is um, she's dabbling in a bunch of stuff too. She's probably later to the game for the sports. She didn't really have an interest when she's real little. Um, but uh, now she's starting to get into it with soccer and softball and, and all that stuff. So yeah, thank God for the, the COVID thing. Actually, something else you mentioned about the, I was thinking about with uh, prom and everything else was uh, prom and homecoming dance and stuff. That didn't happen for the last, like there's kids that didn't have that or didn't have uh, eighth grade dances and everything else. My daughter missed her whole eighth grade, basically. Like she, she had it, but it was, there's no dances or anything. So the other, other side of that coin is like, it's all crazy how things have changed the last couple of years. But uh, um, now that everything's open, schools are open everything so now it's starting to get back into the the full full world full schedule and everything else so but uh yeah that's part of the i think to me that's part of the deal of parenting is just keeping them moving keeping them finding things that they'd like to do so that they associate working out and being active um with you know with a healthy lifestyle the way to be so hopefully it keeps going but uh but yeah that's that's where they're at. I mean, and of course they're going to school and all that stuff. I know I didn't mention any of that, but, uh, yeah, of course there's <laughs> they academics. Do study, they do. <laughs> that's all important they're, stuff too. Yeah. They're learning. They can read all that stuff. So making sure that that's covered as well. So, yeah, they have to go to Princeton, right? Cause you live there. So they've got to be a tiger. That, 
that would not be a bad deal. No. Um, we get to go to watch Princeton games and be on the Princeton uh, kids club and stuff like that. So there's a lot of cool things for it. But uh, if you find out about a secret uh, uh, ticket or something like that, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm way past that. Uh, my kids are grown past college now. So, yeah, you know, our athletic that. director, I remember him saying, <laughs> as one of our kids were kind of figuring out the whole college thing, I think he said that the one school that he has not been able to get a Danville student into is Princeton. I mean, he's kids, kids at MIT and, you know, Harvard, yeah, all the, all those big universities. And of course we have a very, uh, educated population here with the hospital and everything like that. But he said he's never had a student that's been able to get into Princeton, which is interesting, you know, of all the kids that have come through Danville. So I'm sorry. Well, I guess that, yeah, the story there is I, it, it, we can't do it here in Danville for you to help your kids get in there. Don't know. Don't know. Mm. All right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit uh, more about F3. So um, for all the guys that listen to us, probably most guys are are part of F3, uh, but I like to describe it for guys who are not part of F3. F3 is now a worldwide movement for men uh, that is basically a free outdoor workout with guys. And um, the mission of F3 is to plant, grow, and serve small workout groups for men for the invigoration of male community leadership. So the mission is to develop virtuous leaders. And we do that by exposing ourselves to hard things. So we go out and always, and one of the core principles is these workouts have to take place, out, place outside, no matter what the weather. And in the land of the ice and snow, we know that it could be pretty <laughs> cold and snowy and icy and windy and all that stuff. So, we're, But we're out there in the morning in the gloom working out, but we're doing it together. So the, uh, the three F's are fitness, fellowship, and faith. And uh, the other one of the other core principles is that it's peer-led. So one of the ways we develop leadership is every guy that participates has to take his turn leading, which we call Q. That's the big capital letter Q means lead. Um, you have to Q a workout. It means you have to design it, and you have to lead it, and you have to command men, and you have to um, motivate them through the workout. Um, our motto is to leave no man behind, but leave no man where we found him. So we can support and encourage one another and try to grow together. And so uh, Mounty mentioned the, the community, right? Doing it together. He says, uh, you said when you start playing sports, even pickup sports, when you're playing basketball, I mean, that was, you know, organized basketball when we were in school was one thing. Um, but even pickup basketball, playing with the same guys a lot of the times, that's sort of that community. Uh, but in F3, it becomes a little bit more... Uh, focused and because uh, we you know purposely focus on that and developing these bonds of fellowship and stuff like that so um that's what f3 is about and that's our connection with mounty because uh, i'm gonna let dial up tell this story but there's this thing called the blue ridge relay that we participated in in september it's held every year and it's an endurance relay. And dial up, I'm going to let you take it away. You could explain it. Sure, yeah. And if you've been listening to us from the beginning, you would have heard about this in episode one. So we apologize if you're a lifelong listener of the High Impact. All our Man. many worldwide subscribers. Yeah, there's probably four of you. But anyway, so uh, yeah, so the, the Blue Ridge Relay, or we shorten it to be, be, be the BRR. Uh, it's a 208-mile relay uh, down uh, south of here, it starts in Virginia, just kind of across the border from North Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we make our way over hill and over dale. Is that right? <laughs> sure. Uh, lots of ups, lots of downs, a little bit of flats, a little bit of flat in there. But it's a it's a relay that you know you can do it with uh, six guys, twelve guys, nine guys. Uh, we did it as a twelve man relay. 
And uh, it was a mix of guys from our our region, uh, F3 Susquehanna Valley. We combined with some guys, including Mountie, from Princeton. And then also some guys from down in, uh, I always want to say Lehigh Valley, but it's actually Indian, uh, Indian Valley. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's a 12-person relay. Basically, uh, six of you are in a van. Uh, you do six legs of varying distance from four miles to maybe eight miles or so. Uh, you three do legs, three legs, right? Well, three legs total, but like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So each person, if you're on a 12 man team, each person does three different legs. Yeah. Uh, but like six of you in a van, you do your six legs, then your other teammates come oh. on in a van and sit those six do their six legs and you just keep swapping in and out until, um, until you, everybody's done their three legs and you've covered 208 miles and, uh, and then you're done, but there's a lot of fun along the way. And Mountie, I guess we should just get into the story, right? So, sure, sure. So Mountie, you know, he he had kind of an easy leg to start, and and Mountie also, we should mention, had a, a cool little exchange zone thing with you because Mountie always handed off to you. Yep. In a relay, so Mountie would always come up and do a little as he finished each of his legs, he would do a little kind of dribble crossover move and a and a shot, and then he would give a little chest bump to to defib here as yep. he would hand off to and he him. made every shot every shot yeah he never missed including no. including <laughs> he never missed a shot after he did a mountain goat mountain stage goat. which is why we said mountie the mountain goat earlier so uh so mountie did this what was it dude like six and a half miles or something like that yeah that sounds about right yeah um I kind of blocked it. <laughs> I had to go back to the spreadsheet. We had the uh, we had a famous spreadsheet that Lowe's was keeping that kept everything going. You know where they say like you, like those those things that are like the most uh, painful in your life, you you kind of erase them. Yeah, right. maybe, maybe that was the story. But yeah, so Mountie had this stage. It was maybe like flat for the first half mile, and then it just climbed and climbed and climbed and climbed and just kept on climbing. Uh, for, for like I said, like I said, I think it was about six and a half miles switchbacks he actually saw a little billy goat or a little mountain goat along the way and took pictures of it and the mountain yep. goat looked at him and gave him the look of mutual respect <laughs> and uh but you did awesome dude you like totally rocked it uh i was i was impressed but, that was a great effort dude thanks man so the secret was um back to our uh, golfing techniques was uh uh very low expectations i my goal was to finish whatever that meant so um, I was chugging along and nobody cared about how much, what time there was no goal for, for me to, uh, get there by eight minutes in or anything like that. So I just had to finish and uh, yeah, it was a, it was an awesome experience. The, the whole, the entire thing. And, and like pretty much every leg you, um, like you said, like we always had the same order. So I was always handing off to Dita, but, uh, before me, there was always somebody who was, um, uh, Mulligan was coming in. So it was always get a fist bump from the same guy, but it was different scenarios. So it was like four, it's hours later. It's like, uh, it's definitely one of the craziest things I've, I've, I've been a part of, but, uh, you, you do the fist pump, everyone's like all pumped up and you run down the street or road, whatever you're going, you start running and then everybody gets in the van and passes you. So you're waiting for that like half mile where like the van passes you and cheers you on and stuff. And then it gets to that like quiet, Right. And it's just yeah. you on the road and you're like, okay, here I am. And a couple guys either like catching, in my case, catching me or you're running off to catch people. And like you said, you turn, you, you, uh, uh, and then you just keep going. You don't really <laughs> keep on the path, but yeah, that was, it was, um, it was crazy. You also, you, you guys also forgot to mention that uh, a couple weeks before DFib said, uh, or Lowe's <laughs> called me up and said, 
hey, do you guys do you want to switch um, spots in the rotation with Efib? And I was like, oh, sure, yeah, okay. And then before I checked out the uh, thing, and it, it was different reasons why we switched, but uh, in hindsight, I'm still glad I did it because I don't think my knees could have handled the downhill that you had to do. So, yeah, and just to be clear, so. I. I- I hadn't forgotten. I just I wasn't going to throw defib under the bus for chickening oh, out on, okay. the, on the mountain goat stage. It wasn't so much a chickening out. He I'm familiar was, with the bottom of the bus. It's he, okay. He had had a little bit of a <laughs> he had had a little bit of a cardiac event, and his wife, yeah, basically told him that if he didn't oh, remove yeah. himself from the mountain goat, she stage, was uh, literally in tears, begging me not to run the uphill. And so after multiple times having that experience with my wife, I finally talked to our team captain Lowe's and I said, can, you know, can I get off the mountain goat leg? And so Mountie was gracious enough. I didn't know you didn't know what, what it entailed when you said yes, but you were gracious enough to take that leg. No, I was, I was in. So yeah, it, but to be honest for me, it, um, at that point it didn't really matter. I was like, I'm doing it. Yeah. And I think my response was just, uh, don't expect as long as there's no time limit, as long as there's no like, uh, something that I'm going to get disqualified or like let down the team or something like that. And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. It's not, uh, that's not the point. The point was for us to finish it as a team. And that's, that's really what it was. It was awesome. So, um, you run a lot harder than I do, so you probably would have. Or maybe we should just give you some maple syrup that would help. You <laughs> I was, forgot I, about that. You, you beat me to it. I was just sitting here waiting for you to stop because I was going to say I totally forgot until we were talking through this. That in true Canadian fashion, yeah, with about two hundred meters from the top of the top of the climb, he pulled out a little shot jar of uh, maple syrup and <laughs> chugged it down to get to the top. That was the secret that ingredient. That was awesome. Yeah, well, we had, so that was, those legs were our last legs for our, our van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, A, I'm sure it felt great just to be done, because I know I felt great when I finished my last leg. He still went between the legs with the imaginary basketball at the top of the mountain yeah. and, and swished it. So, um, but yeah, we had breakfast sometime before that, because when the other van's running with their six runners, you have time to go find some food. And is that where you got the maple syrup? Yeah, from the... Um what was it? Uh, I forgot the restaurant, but if you remember like the very first, so there's the two vans, the the very first, very first night we're getting all prepped and we're like, okay, what do we have to do? And everyone's nervous, not sure what to do. It was Crackle Barrel. Crackle Barrel. Yeah. Um, they said van one, you have to get up at four in the morning and start the run van two, like meet us over there at 1230 or something like that. We're like, okay. So we went to brunch. We had like a, a gentleman's morning before we, uh, started our, our voyage and that's where I had uh, there was a couple extra ones and I was like maybe <laughs> obviously my survival instinct kicked in from being Canadian and I was like I gotta put this in my pocket because I'll clearly be useful later on yeah actually it's not a bad idea I think you know maybe this will catch on yeah could be a new trend all you ultra marathoners out there you need to get some maple syrup to take with you when you're running out yeah. there it's a quick sugar hit I guess right but yeah. it was it was really cool you know and I mentioned this I think previously when we might have talked about the BRR but it was one of those things. Here we were, a group of guys, you know, three three of us from Susquehanna Valley, I think six from Princeton, right? Three from Indian Valley, I think was our breakdown. Never have met before, other than on a what we did, maybe two Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. Chatted just a little bit sure. there. And, like, we all just, like, show up, hop in a rental van, and drive, what, eight hours, ten hours? I can't remember what it was. Like, eight hours to get down there, stay in a cabin that night, spend another 48 hours, 36, 48 hours in a van together <laughs> as you're 
sweating through all these legs and handing off to one another and running your leg and then, you know, going out for breakfast. It was, it, it was one of those things that, you know, like F3 was this common bond that brought you together to do this. But like, in, like instantly, like you just felt like great friends, like yeah. you had known each other, your like your entire lives. Like, I don't know. It was, it's hard to describe, but it was just a really, really cool experience but you know there you were you just show up meet these guys and suddenly you're thrust into this situation where you're doing this really hard relay thing uh that's a really real challenge and doing it together and it was really definitely one of my favorite experiences in life that i've had from a like an exercise running race type of uh atmosphere so that was a great way to turn a, a solo thing like running into a team event yeah and, you know, being together in the same van for a day and a half. And surprisingly, the van didn't smell as bad as I thought it would. True. So that was pretty good. We all did. We all had our, we called them dude wipes, basically baby wipes. We'd wipe down and, you know, after you got done running and you, you cool down a little bit, they'd go find a porta potty and take a little baby wipe shower. And yeah. uh, uh, so we did well. And, and it was really cool, man, getting to know. So Mountie, Black Hole, and the Turbinator. We're from Princeton in our van, and uh, it was, I mean, we just, and G-Ray from our uh, region, Dialup and I, and that was just so cool to get to know those guys, as yep. you said, and, uh, and you know, you see them now, we don't, we haven't seen each other physically since then, but on uh, pictures from each region, you know, when guys post uh, their workouts and things like that, and maybe on Strava. So, I don't know, how many mountains have you run since then, Mountie? So, that was, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, I was, I was going to say, so one of the awesome things about the F3 group and, uh, showing like showing up every week and, and seeing these guys at workouts and everything else is that you, you find a lot of guys that are uh, ready to say yes. You're like, Oh, I'm going to go work out in a park. And they're like, okay, me too. I'm going to do pushups and what's snowing. You're like, yeah, me too. So I think that's the common, um, kind of attitude that everybody's got is that they're ready to go and okay, let's go do this. So that was the only thing that we had for everybody going down to the BRR was that everybody in the van was like, yeah, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It was totally awesome to make the connection without, um, I mean, usually if you're running and racing and stuff like that, then it's uh, the total time for everybody or like, uh, um, how you finish and whatnot. But the, the point was just to finish as a team and do the rotation. So, um, that, that definitely brought us together as a team and kind of eliminated the, the, the need for the, the racing and everything. Um, I only did a little bit more running after that. And, and then that's when I started having like um, uh, issues with my knee and then some other stuff. But I, when I was asked if we're doing it again, I was like, yeah, I'm in. And this now I'm uh, trying to, you know, line it up so that I can get running, get, get out there so that I can uh, get in shape and be ready to, to be able to enjoy the run. I don't want to just show up and uh, like, uh, kind of eliminate the pain, but, uh, and then hopefully maybe even get in better shape to be able to have a better, uh, you know, better performance or something like that. So, but yeah, um, not a whole lot of running right now, but getting definitely want to get ready to, to do it again. Look so, forward to it. You forgot to mention also that we, um, you take some naps in the park sometimes. <laughs> we, we did talk about that. I think on a previous episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, to make a, a long story short, it was really cold G Ray and I were the ones kicked out of the van for some reason, and we had to sleep outside. And the wet grass was from dew was super wet. We we're in the mountains of North Carolina somewhere behind some fire hall, and so we had to sleep on a pavement. And I didn't sleep at all. I laid under that. It was so cold. I had the cover for the sleeping bag I had wrapped around my head, and 
And so these guys were making fun of me for that. And G Ray took a picture of me. And what interestingly enough, he shared it with people we go to church with, and they had a party uh, after church or whatever. And they're like, "Oh, who's look at the poor homeless guy?" It's like you know that was D Fib laying on the sidewalk. But um, yeah, when I finally emerged from the sleeping bag and looked around, our van was the only one left in the parking lot. And I made some sort of comment. About, Where did all the vans go? Where did all the effing vans go? <laughs> <laughs> Which we said was going to be our team name for this upcoming one, right? Yes, we should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I should I w- take a, a, a cot this time or if I should just make sure I sleep in the van. I'm not sure which way I'm going yet. <laughs> so I was I was the first one of our van to, to do the, to, like I was the first of the six to do the rotation. And so that meant when I was done, I had the longest wait like with our with the van still going. And um, the, I didn't sleep well at all the first it wasn't night cause it was just all one steady time, but it, uh, I didn't sleep well the first rotation. But when we got in there, I I was so tired. I lay down, I think on the floor and I, and I passed out while you guys were still finishing your runs. And I woke up in a couple of different spots and it felt like uh, I was in like a, a van, like an FBI van where you're like kidnapping somebody. <laughs> because I remember uh, G Ray, like we pulled up and like, you hear the van door slide open and it's like, go, 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 go. And then like somebody jumps in, somebody jumps out and I'm like, just opening my eyes. I'm like, what happened? And then I <laughs> close my eyes again. So it was like a scene of straight out of a movie. And then, and then when I woke up the, the second time I woke up, looked around, I'm like, what the heck is, and all the cars were gone. I was like, why did we sit here? Like I missed the entire part when it made sense that we should stop at this park because that's where everybody else is. And then that's when I saw you with your um, sleeping bag hat and, uh, <laughs> And everything else, but the, I, I I missed the showers and that whole thing. That, that everything was was gone. But it was uh, it was definitely crazy. But it was fun. Um, like you said, and then we did the the house that we went back to, um, like the fire pit and and just hanging out and everything else. But it was a it was a great experience to have something stupid and pointless to uh, keep us motivated. But um, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think that for uh, for people that are listening, if you haven't done anything like this, um, it's not just the memories and talking about it, but when you challenge yourself with something really hard, the preparation for it is is a huge aspect of it, right? I mean, would you run as many miles if you weren't prepping for a Blue Ridge Relay, yeah. you know, and uh, or something like that? And so it keeps you motivated, but it does something for your mental uh, fitness when you take on a challenge like that, especially when you do it with other guys. I just finished reading this book called The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. It's kind of making, it's becoming popular in the F3 world. But basically, he, he talks about we're too comfortable in life and we're getting soft and we're less resilient for a lot of reasons. Uh, we go from our comfortable, environmentally controlled houses to our comfortable, environmentally, control, environmentally controlled jobs, and we are mostly sedentary and so forth. And it makes us a little weaker, our immune systems are weaker, et cetera. But mentally, it has been shown through many, many different ways and studies that, man, when you take on these challenges, um, you make yourself more mentally uh, healthy, less stress, less anxiety, able to cope with problems when they come a lot better. And, you know, that was just, a, that's the first big thing that we did uh, like that together. But we're all looking forward to the next one, right? Yeah. Right? And uh, they call, you know, one of the things they talked about was going on a Masoji I'm not going into great details about that, but just purposely uh, exposing yourself to something that's so hard, you have basically kind of 50-50 chance of completing it. I know most of the guys that run things like this say they would not say it's a 50-50 chance of completing it. They're going to complete it because they're runners. 
right? Mountie, there are runners and there are guys that run, right? You and I are guys that run. Dial-up's a runner, right? <laughs> Definitely true. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, those guys are like, yeah. But for you and me, we're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to, like you said, my goal is to just finish it. And so we're going to count that as a Masoji for Mountie and I. That's, that's fair. You know, <laughs> and, and I've always said this as as a runner and I was gifted with pretty good genes and, you know, I'm not nearly as fast as I used to be, but even when, you know, I was, I was younger and could have been a little bit, you know, cocky about my abilities. I, I was always still humble enough to recognize the fact that I was blessed with good genetics and could run faster. And, and with that, I always admired the folks that weren't, I admired the folks that took four hours to do a marathon or three or five or whatever it might be, because quite honestly, they were, they were suffering just as much as I did to complete that same race in a much shorter period of time. And like they're, they're suffering <laughs> the same amount longer. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I always have had respect for, for folks just for going out and, and taking on the, taking on the challenge. And you, you guys like you guys rocked it. You guys kicked butt, uh, like and we, said, we did pretty well time-wise, too, better than I thought I would do it as an individual. Yeah. So I was pretty happy about that. And, so, the, and the race and the, good and, the, and the great memories are the reward for all that hard work yeah, that absolutely. you put in leading up to it. So, Yep. Well, so totally tell, tell us about uh, the region down there in Princeton. What are you guys up to? Oh, man, we're um, – so the last couple of years, so I guess right now we're doing we're – doing, uh, we're doing some good stuff. We're expanding out. Um, when I first joined, I've been there for two and a half years now with Princeton group. And, um, when I first joined, it was the Saturdays and then we looked to expand it out to a Monday. And then you, you look for another here or there. And one of the things that we, with the BRR stuff, we started doing like a running group on Tuesdays and you guys have one too. Um, but now we're at the point where, um, I think we got six days a week. We got, um, there's a Princeton stadium, uh, Princeton university stadium, the, the football stadium there on Thursdays, they go in and they run the, uh, they run the stairs cause it's always open Fridays. We have like another type of running uh, ruck group. Um, and then there's, uh, some guys doing the ruck on Saturdays. Uh, there's a pre-ruck, there's a Sunday ruck. And then in the park, we have uh, Mondays. We have two, two locations for Monday, another location on Wednesday. So, um, throughout the week, I know I was jumping around the week, but, uh, we got the boot camp stuff. We got the running. So we're really doing a great job of expanding it and getting good numbers, like eight or nine guys pretty much for any of those sessions, which is, which is big for us. It's not like the North Carolina numbers you hear about, but like, uh, uh, definitely getting them in there. And then, uh, dose has been doing an awesome job of, uh, expanding. So we have a couple, uh, uh, new locations and, uh, uh, Essex and, um, in New Jersey. So, it's really, it's really been growing fast. Um, like I said, I've had some injuries and stuff. So when I'm, when I'm not there, when I show up again, there's, there's new faces and people. So it's, um, but it's really cool. It's really great to hear. You used to just be like, Oh, you're, I, I had to tell people about it, but now you hear like, Oh, you're one of those people in the park and that's sort of three guys. Mm. And you kind of filter through that conversation. But, um, a couple of the, the banquets for my daughter's sports, like uh, soccer or basketball, we would talk to some of the dads and, uh, they're like, oh, that's that sounds awesome. I'm, I'm in for that. So, all right, come come by tomorrow. So, we're just uh, keep working, keep uh, keep showing up. That's our our motto for it. So, trying to get everybody to to come out. But um, yeah, it's been great. 
So a lot of great guys, a lot of, uh, no, no need to be intimidated or anything like that when you're coming out to where, wherever you're coming out to, it's, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, I, I ask uh, guys on this podcast that are part of F3, um, what does F3 meant to you? So uh, I'll pose that question to you. What, what is being part of F3? What has it done for you? What has it meant for you? Yeah. Um, you know what? It's the most consistent thing I've done. Um, working out and everything, like you said, we were doing bas- playing basketball before, but like without realizing it was getting on the, uh, the tail end of injuring myself or hurting myself and coming back from that. So the F3 stuff was, um, the most consistent working out that I had done, um, uh, for man, for a long time, really. So it's been great to get out there, have people that you can uh, reach out to the connections you have with guys, guys are reaching out, checking in on you. Um, during COVID there was, we just switched it to zoom basically. And we just kept doing the workout. So I was in the garage, but a lot of things, the connections and things you heard about with people weren't a problem or weren't as much of a problem. There's definitely lots of problems and everything else with uh, not talking to people and seeing people, but that community and everything else really was tight and kept, keeps us going. So we still have that, that group of guys and, and that we're talking to a lot. So that's, that's definitely been the biggest thing is that it, uh, it starts off as a fitness thing, but it's not about how many pushups you do or anything else. It's about constantly making yourself uh, be better or, and feel better and looking out for each other. So that's been the biggest thing for me. Yeah, that's awesome. We've heard from uh, most people on this pro- uh, podcast. Um, they talk about the confidence that they've gained uh, being part of it. So as you uh, accelerate your fitness um, and you do it with other guys and uh, and you experience being able to command men during a workout and things like that, um, your confidence level uh, grows. And uh, and we the goal is for that to translate over into other areas of our lives as fathers and husbands and uh, leaders at work. So uh, why don't you tell us what you do for work? Why don't you uh, describe that job title you got? Oh man. Okay. So me and uh, we talked about this on in, in one of the van conversations. I think you guys pushed us to the side and said, Oh, you guys are data guys or you guys go talk over there. <laughs> right. Um, so, so we had that conversation. Um, so I was a, a business analyst for a long time, worked at a couple of different, um, like um, Bank of America or BlackRock, uh, whatnot. And then I, I went to Bessemer Trust as a, as a, a business analyst, but, uh, now I'm just kind of working into the data governance and, um, you know, how a company takes care of their data and all that stuff and, and, and learning all that. But, uh, one of the transferable things is definitely, uh, it's definitely right. It's like uh, learning ownership about stuff and standing up and presentations, confidence and all that. So it definitely, um, you can see some parallels for how to, um, how to teach, how to teach people, how to get people motivated, how to work with them teamwork and all that stuff. So, um, definitely I think as you're getting older in our lives and everything else, it's about the connections with people. And you hear that all the time now about people saying it's, it's more the connections than it is the, uh, the skill set or anything else. So it's, it's, um, it's really, that's what it is, 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 um, what I'm doing at work is just working with people to bring together knowledge and things that they already, already know or already have it in them. So it's, uh, that's, that's what I'm learning and, and I'm, I'm definitely fortunate to work for a great company and, and to do all the stuff. And, uh, but it, it, it definitely ties into, you know, building the communities and then being out there for people and stuff. So it's been good. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, th- that relationship stuff is, is really, uh, the most important thing I think, you know, we have, 
we have to be competent in our work and do a good job and that sort of stuff. But if we're building virtuous leaders, virtuous leader is a servant leader and he looks to see how he can make the people that he's leading better and move them to a place that they couldn't get to on their own. And uh, I think, you know, you kind of describe that. I mean, if we're not, uh, if we're not, if we don't know the people, you know, and genuinely care about them, then we can't really, we can't really uh, lead them well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but we also aren't going to be as satisfied with life. That's part of our purpose in life. And, you know, one of the things that guys are struggling with is finding purpose. And we talk about that on other podcasts, but um, one of the things that we try to encourage guys and help guys to do through, through F3 and, and part of the teaching process of F3 is to find your purpose. And uh, I mean, I've seen so many examples of guys who retire or something happens and they just, or they're just going through the motions at their job and with their family and whatever, and they just don't have purpose. And uh, man, that's deflating. And it can create a lot of despair and anxiety and uh, just bad leaders. So, you know, our, we're, we're out there. We're trying. We're making it known. We've got podcasts. We've got uh, all kinds of ways we're trying to uh, bring guys in. And, you know, if not, it's not F3, then find something else that, that brings you into community with guys and, and it makes you better and keep uh, striving forward, striving for excellence uh, in all that you do. Um, do you have any other questions for Mountie? No, I think uh, I think you've covered everything that I had on on my list. I mean, I know you have your ending question that uh, that we'll get to here probably. Yeah, soon. All right. Yeah, Mounty, you got anything else for the good of the order before I give you my final question? Oh man, um, no, I think I've covered it all. I think with just what you're saying about uh, workouts and stuff. One of the things that uh, Princeton we had a pretty good collection of uh, entertaining workouts. We did a um, we had an F three Wordle recently um and we've done some other ones battleship and stuff in the past and guess uh no we didn't do guess who we've done blackjack and all that other kinds of stuff but the group is really good at uh coming up with different uh ways of keeping us motivated and thinking about it so um yeah so that's it it's just it's it's fun to show up and what, what actually what, what you were just saying about um um feeling better and everything else it doesn't have to be something that's like uh in six months i'll feel better you show up for one workout and you, you feel better. You right. feel better about being active and everything else. So it's, that's one of the things that got me was showing up and then having the, the team, uh, people there so that I felt on Wednesday. Now I got, now I got to get there cause I'm part of this group that I want to, I want to work out and get better. So, uh, that's what, that's what pulls you in. So if you need, if you need motivation like that, it's a, it's a great way to, uh, find motivation from working out. If you're not somebody that's like self-driven in, in, in that sense. Yeah. It keeps us accountable, right? Yep. Are you a hard commit for the Blue Ridge Relay again? Uh, barring any, I'm already in. Yeah, and right. barring any yeah. Uh, major setbacks for it, I'm, I'm in. All right, all right. Well, we're, we're, we're what are we about six months out? Something like that? No, five. Oh, five. Right. I, I better get working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crossed over. You know, so, a, a vision or a, an analogy, I think, just kind of hit me as he was talking. You know, F three, a morning group, you know, or packs as we call it. It, it's we're kind of like a group of dogs, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> are, are are dogs ever not excited to see you when you show up? Oh, right. Yeah. You come home, your dogs are always excited to see you. Like they're never like, oh, great, dad's home. You know, isn't isn't F three kind of like that? Like it's like no one ever goes to a workout, and it's like, oh, Spielberg's here, <laughs> Fibs here. You know, like you never like you're always excited. Yeah. 
for whoever shows up. Right. Yeah. It is. So yeah, I was just downrange last that year or last right. week. Right. I was downrange and I, I worked out with the guys from Fort Myers. I think that AO might be the southernmost AO in America, but, um, but you know, it's like you never met these guys before in your life. You show up and everybody's greeting each other. Like you've known each other for a long time because we're all part of the same thing. We're all doing the same thing all across the country. We're doing similar thing with F3. And so it's mm-hmm. a brotherhood, even if you've never met the guy before. And, uh, yeah, so I mean, it was really cool. I was with the, let's see, MASH, Motorhead, and Regulator, and Moon Man. There you go. They're my guys uh, that I worked out with last week down in uh, Fort Myers. And what you don't want to say that I know you're sitting over there and a little boastful <laughs> about is for once, he wasn't like the old guy there. No, no, I like, was uh, I was one of the younger guys. He was a younger guy, yeah. and he felt fast, he Yeah, said. it made me feel fast. So yeah. sorry for those guys that were there, and uh, he, <laughs> well, he was competing against. He's, he's kind of calling you guys slow. Well, you know, it's 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 all relative, right? It is all relative. Whoever you compare yourself with. So, yeah, there was, uh, let's see, Motorhead, he was 75. MASH and Regulator, they're in their 60s. Moon Man, who was sort of a guest queue. He and his wife traveled by RV all over the country, and they were staying down there, and he queued. He was in his 40s, but, you know, being 55... I was the second youngest guy there. Yeah. And I, yeah so, and that's, and, and that speaks to the awesomeness though of F3, right? It's so cross generational, right? We have, Oh yeah. We have guys in their twenties that sometimes show up to our workouts and you got guys in their seventies showing up and there's right. Each, each generation has so much to share with each other. Um, you know, we got, uh, in Princeton, we got photo finish. He's uh, 79. Wow. And man, he's got stories. He's got lists that we put on the, on the website, but he's got lists and lists of, all the different marathons and everything he ran and man, it's, uh, it's always entertaining talking to him and hearing about it. So and how old is he? Cool. What'd you say he was 79? 79. Yeah. We spent the last five minutes of the, uh, COT just saying respect, respect, respect. <laughs> and, uh, does when he, he's up, but does yeah, he still run? Totally right. Does he still run? Uh, no, not so much. I mean, he's, he still moves a lot. I see him around town doing all stuff, but, uh, uh, no, he's, he's, I think he's, he's been done with the running for a bit, but, right. uh, yeah, but he's out there, right? Yeah. And, and one more birthday, he's going to be for respect category. That's, That's crazy. Pretty, I don't you know anybody. Know. I don't know. Respect. Yeah. Actually, Shamwow, uh, Bing's dad is for mm-hmm. respect. For respect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, brother. Last question for you. This is your opportunity to speak to the men of America. What message? Oh, yeah. What message do you have for the men of America? Man, I think uh, keep, I'll go with the Princeton uh, our, our saying, just keep showing up. Sh- show up, say yes, keep showing up. I think that's the biggest thing that people need right now. Uh, if you hear about something, just say yes. If you, if you, if you want to do it, say yes, and then keep showing up. Keep being there for people. Keep being out there. So, Yeah, keep, keep, keep showing up as a husband, as a father, at work. Keep showing up. Yeah, I love it, man. All right, listen, you need to give the Turbinator a big hug for me, okay? I will. I'll send his love when he's not. Uh, he's he's been cruising around. The cruiser's been around the U.S. around all the voice. He's doing a lot of rucking now too. So you might have to meet him out there at the, the next Grow Ruck oh, or he's whatever's a rucker. available. Oh, so. wow. So I I yeah I I guess I have to explain that and apologize a little bit. Um, so his F three name is Cruiser because <laughs> he drives a motorcycle. But he wears a uh-huh. turban, so I renamed him the Turbinator. But apparently, I'm the only guy that calls him that. But and he's okay with that. I'm just I let, did, let everybody know. It. Yes, he did uh, approve of yeah, us. He approved of it. Calling him I, the I, I was totally there when you guys talked it through. It was like uh, after X number of hours in a van, you guys were uh, 
it was no problem at all. So yeah. it, was, it was definitely a legit, legit, uh, legit nickname for him. So yeah, my man, we'll tell all the Princeton boys that we said hello. I bumped into Dreamer. I, I bumped into Dreamer at a soccer tournament uh, down in Lancaster like several several months ago. Oh wow! Yeah, which was kind of cool. Like you see each other. That's and say, awesome. Hey, I know you. So that was uh-huh. cool. But yeah, tell all the gang we said hello. Look forward to seeing. Absolutely. Most of them, I think, are signed up again to do the BRR. I think Black Hole is not, and uh, I don't think Cruiser is. But might, uh, yeah, maybe we'll get them signed. Cruiser's up an alternate, so he's a maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right, brother. Good talking to you. Great, guys. Thanks for having me on. I think, oh, by the way, dial up. I think we just spoke to another high impact man. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Can't let that out. All right, brother. Be good. All right. See you, man. You too, guys. Thanks a lot. Keep showing up. Later. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.